Welcome to episode 32 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. We're back this fall with some new episodes and content from Worley and Danina, and we hope that you had a great summer. In this week's episode, Live with Fear But Don't Live in Fear, Worley and Danina will be discussing how to live with fear in healthy ways. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. If you had known me in my teens and early 20s, I would have told you that I'm not afraid of anything. I wasn't afraid of anything. I was taught growing up to face my fears, which was a good thing. And by personality, I'm very driven. I love adventure. I find great joy when we step out by faith in any way. And this has served me well on many accounts from a very young age. But as I got older, uh, the closer you got to me, the more you recognized that I was a woman who would cover my emotions I wouldn't identify them or acknowledge them, and often that would catch up with me and show itself in some form of irritation, frustration, anger. I really hated to be vulnerable. And um, when we were in graduate school, I was challenged to examine this in my life and recognize during this time that I had really believed a lie. I had believed that fear was a weakness, that feeling the emotion of fear was a weakness. I believed the lie that being vulnerable was a weakness. And this lie really led me to cover up my fear by working harder, by powering up through anger and just, you know, self-determination, or sometimes by serving a false god of self-protection. So I doubt that many of you out there, unlike me, um, those of you that are more the fighters in the face of fear and insecurity probably relate to me. Some of you may turn more to flight when faced with fear and insecurities, and some of you might just freeze. Either way, we all live with fear because we're human. It's going to be a natural part of our life. We all live with fear because we're not home yet. And this world is a really rough place, and it's full of sinful people, and we have unknowns at every turn. And this is intensified by the fact that we all want to feel in control of our life, but we also every day live with the fact that we're not God. And Romans 8 speaks to this. Will you read that for yeah, us? Yeah, so I'm going to pick it up in verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So we feel fear because things aren't as God created them to be. And this passage is saying that we as humans, along with all of creation, are just waiting and longing for things to be made right. So we want you to hear us say today that we can't escape living with fear. We're going to feel that emotion of fear, but we do not have to live our lives in fear. And those are two really small words, um, with and in. But which word you choose can make a very big difference on fear's impact in your daily life and in my daily life. So how do we do this? 
how do we live with the emotion of fear but not live controlled by this fear? And first, we need to understand fear. We need to ask ourselves, what does healthy fear look like? And then what does unhealthy fear look like? So these videos that we've started, there's going to be four. And these first two, we're going to work to understand what makes fear healthy. And so the first point is that healthy fear stirs us to analyze so we can act. To live with fear, but not in fear. There's those two small words, to live with fear, but not in fear. We need to understand that healthy fear stirs us to analyze so we can act. God has placed within all of us numerous emotions, and he's placed within us this emotion of fear. It's God-given. In the extremes, most people respond to this emotion of fear with either fight or flight. Most respond by taking action or becoming paralyzed. But the God-given purpose of the emotion of fear is to cause a person to analyze the situation so that he or she will know how to then act appropriately. And without this emotion, if we didn't have it, we might never take the necessary action. But with this emotion, it actually does something to us. It causes our heart rate to rise. It increases the blood flow to our brain. In turn, our brain then thinks about what is happening, and it then sends adrenaline to our muscles, and it increases the oxygen to our lungs. And all of this happens, we're not even aware of it, but all of this happens so that our mind and body can work in unison to respond to the person or thing or circumstances that's causing our fear. Mm -hmm. So part of what you're saying is we have to analyze it when we feel afraid. Um, It leads us to act on it. And then really the next word that we would say that's important is that um, we have to accept it. We have to accept that we're going to live with this God-given emotion. Many times people will despise that emotion and try and bury it, try and suppress it. And they they become, as Worley said earlier, paralyzed or shut down. When they suppress this emotion or try and distract themselves from this emotion, the brain isn't allowed to think about what's going on. And so often harmful consequences result. Sometimes with this, this is where we see it grow into panic attacks or more, um, you know, phobic type uh, circumstances for people because they are living so disconnected from this very initial stage, which is just acknowledging you're afraid, being vulnerable enough to settle into that. So embracing fear means I'm going to think through what's happening. I'm going to consider, you know, what's the best action, but that's going to require me accept that I'm going to have this emotion and not be afraid of it, not be afraid to feel it. So as you're watching this, we're saying start here. If you live with fear or if you're currently having some kind of fear, are you accepting the fact that that fear is there for a purpose? Danina and I live in the country and the reality of a fire in a nearby field is a great possibility when the grass is tall and the winds are high. A few years ago, our daughter, we were in the upstairs of our house and our daughter looked out the window and she saw a fire and she quickly told us, hey dad, there's a fire. Um, The emotion of fear, I think, quickly hit all of us. 
and the anal- the analyzation, we begin to analyze what, what to do with this fear. Now, we weren't aware of this. It's just that's what happened, and it's what directed us. And if we had shut down, um, then nothing would have happened. The fire would have continued. Nothing would have gotten done. So the analyzation was important because it led to action. Now, I, having lived in the country most of my life, um, had experienced fires like this before, grass fires. So I, I had some idea what to do. And so um, I knew that I had to get some towels and some shovels. And so while my brain was thinking, my body was running to grab some large towels and to get a, get a shovel. Um, and then I headed out towards a fire. Danina, her analyzation, her brain was directing her to tell our daughter to call 911, call the fire department. But all the while she's running and my daughter's following her to gather a hose that they could connect to the closest hydrant. And so the point being is that the fear led to our analyzing, which then led to our action. Without this emotion of fear, great harm could have come to us. And I think that's why a lot of people that are experts in this field will say, um, if, if you live disconnected from your fear and this emotion, you're also living um, disconnected from wisdom. Right, right. And um, that's important. And, and, and Danina, that example that I just gave is one that easily explains the analyzation and the action. Mm-hmm. It's an urgent need. Mm-hmm. But a lot of our fear occurs um, later, and, and it's not necessarily recognized so quickly. Mm-hmm. So some of that fear would be, um, I mean, a health situation, I mean, cancer. Right, um, right. Right, some of it can be relationships. Right, things that happen that, it, that the fear isn't necessarily immediate. And so in that case, you mentioned for cancer and other health diagnosis, usually there's shock first, and then it's later after you leave the doctor's office and you're kind of overwhelmed with all of the information that you've been given, and, and the fear begins to, to rise up. Mm-hmm. And it'd be very easy and often happens at that point to try to push that emotion down. Um, which really isn't what you should do. Um, relationship strife is another area that uh, often occurs later. The, the, it's slower to reach a level of fear. Um, and it doesn't come until the conflict, I mean, conflict will come, but it's, it's the fear begins to come when pain comes as a part of it. Um, too often people don't, analyze well when they're in those situations. I think you were going to make a comment about this. Well, because conflict often can shut them down or cause them, you know, the anxiety can actually cause them to be reckless. And uh, I mean, sometimes if you think about even between us, if I know it's going to be a sensitive topic to talk about, I may actually come into the conversation with anxiety. Like, I don't know how you're going to react to this how you're going to respond to that. And so my anxiety that's already there when that conversation starts, if you just kind of are respond a little bit the way I expect you to, the conversation is going to go bad. Or if you're more of the flight personality, you'll just say, well, I just shouldn't have talked to him about this anyway. I should just, you know, I'm I'm never going to talk to him about this again. 
So the anxiety is very relational as we, you know, as we go through that sometimes. And, and, the, and the point being is that that it, it, it'll shut a person down. It'll cause someone to not even be able to analyze and think about it. And and it could be shut down on one end or or get real angry on the other end where you're not thinking about it mm-hmm. because you're you're heightened with and, and what's really driving that anger in those cases is this emotion of fear mm-hmm. that you really we really need to settle in and and analyze it. So we must respond to this emotion of fear in a healthy manner by engaging our brains to think through what is going on and then that leads us to know what to do. Without it, again, nothing would happen. Without it, constructive things don't happen and that almost always makes things worse. Peter McWilliams explains one of the benefits of fear is that it provides the energy to do your best in a new or in a hard situation. He goes on to say, if you're afraid to do something and do it, despite the fear, you will recognize that fear is actually working for your advantage over time. In a blog post, John Townsend has said, a life with zero fear is not a healthy life. He says we need to move toward the feeling and not away from it. Ask yourself, why are you feeling this at this particular time? Often when you understand the root, you're halfway to getting it Mm -hmm. resolved. That's true. He also says something else that's extremely important. Never, never, never suck it up and isolate. Yeah, this is very true. That grows anxiety. And we've used the illustration of a fire in counseling. I'll often say, When you choose to internalize, you choose to isolate, it's like you already had a fire going on and you have just put gasoline on the fire. So um, we agree here. Never, never, never suck it up and isolate. Fear is like a cyst. It metastasizes in the darkness and it shrinks in the laser beam. Use the laser beam of the right people, and that's important, that it's the right people in your life, and tell them your fears. Risk being vulnerable here. Let them be the people fuel for you that will calm you down. Yeah, such a great illustration by John Townsend um, what, of what happens if we isolate in our fear. And most often we do mm-hmm. until we learn that this is a very important emotion that we need to embrace. Uh, so Not that, be ashamed of. Yeah, and so that yeah. we'll analyze and, and then it'll lead us to action. So how about a little application? So mm-hmm. we're going to analyze any fear, any situation by asking questions. Um, and I would ask you as you listen, maybe there's a fear that's going on in your life right now. What's going on in your life right now that might be causing you to be afraid? Mm-hmm. And do you relate to my story where you choose to live above your fear? I mean, what do you do with it? Or maybe you relate more to someone who tends to be more flight and you shut down, you pull away from people you avoid. So um, think about that. Do you see fear as a weakness or do you see it as a God-given emotion that you do not have to be afraid of? Yeah, it's a strange thing to say it this way, but I'll often say to people in counseling about, I'll, I'll use this with pain or also with fear, but it needs to be your friend. It's God-given. You need to you need to embrace it and accept it that it's partnering with you that uh, can be really helpful. So, what is what is the fear that you have spurring you to think about in what to do? Because again, it will cause us that, to think so that then we take action. Back to what happened with the 
the grass fire that we responded to. It should always cause us to think and then to take some action. And some some examples of this is uh, maybe you stop avoiding conflict and have the conversation you've been avoiding when you're in conflict or there's something that needs to happen instead of avoiding the conflict, have you know, have the discussion that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes couples that, you know, both are conflict avoiders will see them just really grow very bitter over right. time, right. Um, depressed over time. Right. And, the, and sometimes those emotions will mask the fear. They won't yeah. even be aware of the fear. We'll often ask with other emotions, well, what's underneath that? And it's often fear. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll do a video on anger and we can talk mm-hmm. more about that, but... Uh, maybe your fear of losing your marriage or your relationships is actually, you know, something that prompts you to get help. That happens all the time in our line of work that many times couples or families uh, will wait until, you know, they're on the brink of divorce. And then that'll actually prompt them to say, hey, we better get help when it would be better if we were dealing with these things along the way and getting help before it actually got to that crisis Point, but that crisis stirs a fear of losing that relationship, and often does you know prompt us to ask for help. It also can prompt all of us to take a good look at ourselves. Yeah, like you know maybe I've been living like, hey, it's all your problem. Yeah, you know it's not my problem. Right. But if I feel like you know this relationship's about over, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be willing to start looking the, at my. There own should problem. always be a component of that where where fear is something where you're looking at yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to at least look at yourself. Um, but, you know, fear is a good motivator when you don't have any money. Fear is a good motivator when um, you're uh, maybe you're a young person and, and, and you don't have a job. Fear of how you're going to pay the rent is what causes you to get up and go to work. It's what causes you to, you know, put the video games aside or the other distractions aside. Um, sometimes uh, fear to... Uh, to visit a new church causes a person to not go. And in that case, um, fear can actually be used to go ahead and step into a situation so you do have a community. Um, So those are just some examples. And maybe you have a fear of being vulnerable. And I would tell you, just pick one or two people that you believe are trustworthy and just risk letting them in in small ways. And if you're married, that needs to be your spouse. A lot of affairs happen because we start trying to do that with people outside of, you know, our, right. our marriage relationship. And so, and if I can't have that here, right. then I need to get help or do the work that I can have that here. But I want to be vulnerable um, with a couple of different people. So the kind of fear that prompts analyzing in action is the kind of healthy fear that then brings growth. If we're to be a people who live with fear, not in fear, we must embrace and engage our fears. And to close this video, we want to read a story to you from uh, Mark or from Levi Lusko's book called "Through the Eyes of a Lion." And he tells a story. He says, "I'm fascinated by the way lions hunt. I've read that it's the lioness that actually do the lion's share of the work. The males are obviously incredibly intimidating with their manes and their ferocious roars." But it's the chicks you really have to watch out for. It's kind of how it is in normal life, huh? The fact that lionesses do not have a big recognizable mane actually helps them to sneak up on whatever they are hunting. They lie in wait, hidden in tall grass, motionless like statues. 
And Levi Lesko says, I listened to a sermon by Pastor Brian Houston in which he said that the males do play an important, albeit small role. While the females stalk their prey from behind, the king of the jungle will come from the front and let loose one of those roars that gives him his spot at the top of the food chain. This sound is so powerful it can be heard for up to five miles away. Hearing that terrifying terrifying noise causes the gazelle or antelope to run as far as they can from whatever made that sound. What they don't know is that as scary as it sounded, the one who did the roaring is way more bark than bite. So away they go directly into the path of the real threat, the waiting lioness. In other words, the prey's instincts are wrong. Going with their guts causes them to make the last mistake of their short little lives. It's counterintuitive, but the right choice would be to override their emotions and run toward the roar. It's shocking how often that's true, Levi says. When you run from the things that scare you, you actually are moving toward danger, not away from it. If you fail to face your fears, they will always be right there behind you. You must suppress the little voice inside that's telling you to get out of Dodge. It it is not your friend, which is what you were saying earlier. When you feel that panicky fight or flight sensation and you want to run away, do the opposite. Run toward the roar. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Orly and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website as well. God bless. Have a great week.